and I want to thank all of you. Uh, when the services are over with, I need to go see Ken and Kay, so I don't want you to think that I'm being rude uh, if I leave immediately after. So, But do want to get to know you better and do want you to come back. Um, I want to thank Jacob for uh, preaching last week and uh, trading with me. Uh, instead of preaching on the first Sunday, he preached uh, so I could be gone to Kentucky uh, and preach there uh, last week. I want to thank everyone involved today and those publicly and privately behind the scenes. This is uh, a good effort and, and appreciate the teamwork and how we try to worship God together and glorify God together and how we can all participate that way. On the way down to Kentucky, I stopped uh, and got to see Michaela and Yuri and got to study with them a little bit. As you know, they're about to be married this weekend, and uh, we want to pray for them and, and wish them well. And marriage is a very important topic, and that's where we're at in 1 Corinthians 7, as I've been uh, speaking and teaching through this book. In 1 Corinthians 7, verses 1 through 9, I, I did one lesson on that section of how the best prevention of fornication is let every man have his own wife, let every woman have her own husband, and if you fulfill each other in that God-ordained marriage, there's no need to go outside elsewhere uh, for the part of the relationship that sometimes is uh, people who are single are tempted to do and that should not take place except in the marriage and if two people who are married to each other rightly so by God would love each other the way God said then there's less temptation and need to go looking elsewhere but then verse 9 and, uh, or verse 10 and 11, I did another lesson really dealing with the marriage bond and how Paul speaks against divorce as well as Jesus instructed that you're to stay married till death. And Paul's going to reaffirm that case at the end of the chapter as well. But he's just restating there what Jesus already said on the matter and that is stay married, don't get divorced. If in the event that a divorce does occur, he's not saying it's right to divorce. He's saying, but if a divorce has occurred, now what's the choice? Well, you have two options. Stay unmarried or be reconciled. And that's it. He doesn't give any other options other than that. So we covered that. Now let's look at verse 12 down to verse 24 where he's going to be dealing with what happens if one of the spouses in a relationship is a Christian and one of the spouses is not. So verse 12, to the rest speak I, not the Lord. If any brother hath a wife that believeth not, and she be pleased to dwell with him, let him not put her away. And the woman which hath a husband that believeth not, and if he be pleased to dwell with her, let her not leave him. For the unbelieving husband is sanctified by the wife, and the unbelieving wife is sanctified by the husband. Else were your children unclean, but now are they holy. But if the unbelieving depart, let him depart. A brother or sister is not under bondage in such cases. But God hath called us to peace. 
For what knowest thou, O wife, whether thou shalt save thy husband? Or how knowest thou, O man, whether thou shalt save thy wife? But as God hath distributed to every man, as the Lord hath called every one, so let him walk. And so ordain I in all churches. Is any man called being circumcised? Let him not become uncircumcised. Is any called in uncircumcision? Let him not be circumcised. Circumcision is nothing, and uncircumcision is nothing but the keeping of the commandments of God. Let every man abide in the same calling wherein he was called. Art thou called being a servant? Care not for it. But if thou mayest be made free, use it rather. For he that is called in the Lord, being a servant, is the Lord's freeman. Likewise also he that is called, being free, is Christ's servant. Ye are bought with a price. Be not ye the servants of men. Brethren, let every man wherein he is called, therein abide with God. So let's deal with some of the things that he says here and recognize that there are some things here that some, as Peter will say about Paul's writings, that they twist. And there's some teaching here that we need to understand and there's some teaching that other people are saying that Paul is saying that's not true. So we want to show the difference between these. First off, notice, when he says, to the rest speak I, not the Lord, he's not saying that these don't count. <laughs> what he had said before about what the Lord spoke about was he's just reaffirming what the Lord actually taught directly. Here, what he's about to say, the Lord did not deal directly with the case of if one is a Christian and one is not. So, but, so Paul is dealing with that. But he's doing it by inspiration of the Holy Spirit. So it's not optional what he's saying, okay? It is the instruction in, that is inspired. Now, when he says, If any brother hath a, hath a wife, verse 12, who believes not, Later, he's going to say, if a woman who has a husband who believes not. So it works either way on this case. Don't let anybody think, well, there's one rule here in this specific instruction for the man that's different than the woman. No. The principle is the same about the marriage bond and staying together. Whether you're a man or a woman, neither of you have a right to divorce the other. Neither of you have a right to divorce and then remarry. Whether you're a man or a woman in the case. Now, but what about if one is a believer and one is not? Well, you're still married. And if you're still married, you should be what you ought to be. Now, a believer, by the way, who understands God's will and understands his instructions about marriage will do all they can to set that good example without browbeating the spouse. You want to you try to win your spouse. If, if you find yourself in that situation, there, there might be that case here where one, one spouse is a Christian and one spouse is not. What, what, what to do in that case? Uh, in cases like that or cases where one is trying to be faithful to God and the other is not. Well, the one who understands what God says should know about real biblical love and should understand God's uh, 
sanctity of marriage. Well, an unbeliever might not understand that or might not abide by it, might not understand it and just rebels against that. Well, that's a difficult situation to be. First, let me say this. Why would somebody knowingly put themselves in that position? Okay. That's very foolish. This section of instructions implies that there is a challenge to a Christian being married to a non-Christian. Does it not? One wants to be at worship. One may be at worship today while the other one stayed home. One might have decided to come in some cases, but heart, their heart is not there. That's challenging. What about when you want to pray together? What about when you want to worship together? You want to work together? You want to give together? How are you going to be able to do all of that in the, the very best way if you're both not on the same page, in the same heart? You can still love each other, still have a good relationship, but it's not ideal. So those of you who are single, let me say, learn from this and don't put yourself knowingly in that position. If you are not yet married, don't seek a spouse that is not a Christian. Uh, or else you may... Decide, I want to be bound to this person till death, and I'm going to love them till the day I die. But then guess what? After that, if the person is not faithful to God, well, that's all you have. You don't have that fellowship after this life in eternity. But those of us who are faithful to God, well, we have the hope of being reunited together with all the saints in heaven even if we're not married in heaven, but we're still together. And so I need to recognize that. How hard would it be to raise children in a marriage where my wife and I are not in the same page? And, and so how are, we, how are we going to raise those children to love the Lord, pray together, to do the things that the Scriptures are teaching? Uh, don't do it. Don't even consider it. Don't give your heart away to some. But now, what I think may have happened sometimes in Corinth is what if two people were not a Christian whenever they got married? And it was a scriptural marriage. Then one is converted. So now you find yourself, okay, they weren't, they weren't Christian. Neither of them were Christians when they got married. Now one of them is. Now what to do with it? Well, he says, stay in the marriage. Don't divorce. He makes that clear. If the, if the unbeliever is, is content to stay married to the believer, don't put them away. Don't divorce. He makes that very clear in those statements. But he also goes to say, the believer here might be the very chance of saving the spouse. Now, there's a couple of uh, debated points about this. Some people might say, okay, in verse 14, when he says, for the unbelieving husband is sanctified by the wife. What does he mean there? Uh, well, does he mean automatically that 
if a believer is married to a non-believer, that the non-believer is saved and is going to heaven? Well, of course he doesn't mean that. So we, it's easier to say what it doesn't mean. I'm, I'm confident about that, that that's not what he's saying. Nor is he saying when he says, else were your children unclean. It's easy to say what that is not saying. He's not saying that, okay, well, if, if children born in a, in a marriage where both are not Christians, that the children are sinful. I don't believe the Bible teaches that. A lot of people believe that you inherit sin from your parents. I, 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 don't, I believe that's so contrary to the Scriptures. Jesus taught in Matthew chapter 18 that infants are safe. Let the little children come to me, for of such is the kingdom of heaven. Children are safe. And he says you should be converted and become like them. And if you are like a child and you humble yourself like a child, you'll be the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Well, he's not saying to imitate sinners, so that tells me that children are innocent. Paul also encouraged, in malice be children. In understanding be men, but in, in malice. Whoa, what's he talking about? Children don't hold grudges like adults tend to do. Children are innocent. We're, we're to imitate children in their innocency and their dependency upon God and their humility. Those are things to be imitated. He's not saying that children born in a, in, in a situation where both parents are not Christians, that they're lost eternally. But here's the question, though. How are they going to learn the truth? If not by the potential influence of the parents. Now, if a child is raised in a home that they were not taught about the truth, can they later learn it? Yes. But what's the best way for them to increase their chances of learning it and obeying it? If the parents teach them and nurture them in the way they should go. So when he says, elsewhere your children unclean, I don't think he's saying that your children are utterly lost but he's using terminology here that I, I believe that Jewish people would have understood. There were Jewish people in Corinth, by the way. It wasn't just Gentile. But in Nehemiah, or in Ezra, what you had was you had a situation in the Old Testament, an uncleanliness ceremonially whenever a Christian married a non-Christian. I'm sorry, a, one who followed God and one who did not, one who was a Jew, and one who was not. And so the instruction in the Old Testament was not to marry those outside of the faith because they would commit idolatry and your children would end up involved in those things. They learned these things. And so the admonition in the Old Testament was those who were followers of God who had Spouses who were not, because that was forbidden, he told them, put them away. Paul is making it clear that's not the case today under the New Testament where if a Christian is married to a non-Christian, that the Christian needs to put the non-Christian away. That's his point when he says, else were your children unclean, but now are they holy. But he's also talking about, here's the potential. Because notice in verse 16, compare. 
What knowest thou, O wife, whether thou shalt save thy husband? What is, what's, what's under discussion here in this context is the saving influence. Okay. What is the best chance of a non-believing spouse becoming a Christian? Well, if the believing spouse is the best example to them. 1 Peter 3 makes this very clear that if a wife who is a Christian is married to a husband who is not and her words aren't working he's not listening to what she's saying then maybe her behavior and her conduct might set the right example if she is meek and quiet and of that spirit if she's submissive to him she doesn't care so much about the adorning outwardly but she's adorning her character when she does what she's supposed to do and she lives the way she's supposed to live that's going to have an effect on the husband in a way that words can't work. And so here's the best chance for the man to be able to be won by her example and, and become a Christian himself. That's what Paul is talking about in this context. So stay married if you're married to a non-Christian. He's not saying if you're not married, go seek a non-Christian. That's, he's not saying that. He's, he's not saying to two people who are single, go and date somebody as a form of evangelism. <laughs> That's not the best form of evangelism. No, have a Bible study with them and teach them, and if they obey, then you can make the decision later whether or not you want to commit your life to them in, in a marriage. But I would say don't even get your heart involved with somebody that's not even a Christian if you're not yet married. If you're already married and you're bound by God, then seek to try to save your spouse. Now, there's obviously some good practices and bad practices in that. I've seen by experience sometimes where there's a Christian who wants their spouse who's not a Christian to obey. Do it in such a way that actually repels the spouse because of the way they're constantly nagging. They, they, the intentions might be good in that case, and that'd be a very difficult. But the way they go about doing it might just backfire. So be careful about that. I think a person in that situation, and I've seen this too as well. I've, I, I've seen good examples where one spouse is a Christian and the other spouse is not faithful but because of the good example and it may not happen overnight but through time through God's mercy through God's grace the other spouse sees the faith of the other and says I want what they have I want the joy they have I want the hope they have I, I want to follow these instructions like they do when they are worshiping, when the other is not, when they are obedient, when the other one is not, and they see that stance for what is right in as peaceful way as possible, that's going to be the best way to try to win the other over. And I've seen that occur. Now, that's why he says, Who knows whether thou shalt save thy husband? Such is the case of our 
dear brother and sister who are needing our prayers right now. Kay was a Christian. Ken was not. But because of Kay's good example and because of the way she handled herself, it won her husband over. And thankfully, by the grace of God, Ken has obeyed the gospel. He has the hope of heaven. I don't know the future of what's going to happen, but I am thankful that he, he now has that hope. He has a great attitude, by the way. I've got to add that. Whenever I first went to see him, the very first words out of his mouth, he couldn't see me because his eyesight's not there. But as soon as he heard that I was in the room, he said, can we please say a prayer? That's the first thing out of his mouth. And he was on his way to, you know, have a test. As soon as he came back up in the room, he wanted to, uh, the first thing that he said then was, I am so thankful that I've been baptized and that I've been forgiven and I'm going to heaven. That's what he said to me. The first thing he said to Kay was, I'm going to get to see the Lord and I'll wait for you. That's what a Christian has. That, and we do need to be praying for them. And uh, I, I don't know uh, what the next days are going to hold for them but we do care about them and we do love them but for both to be saved and both have that hope I, I, I don't know what what would people do who don't have that hope again another reason to make sure before you enter a marriage to make sure that your spouse that you're you're choosing loves the lord what what a hard situation that would be in without God hard enough but God can help us through it and help them through it now when he says elsewhere your children unclean I, I think about the children as well you now have the chance the, the saving influence of the parent can be what helps the child now you can't inherit your faith okay you, the child's going to have to grow up and learn the gospel themselves, and it's, they're going to have to stand on their own faith. But what's the best chance? Well, the parents. It's even better if both parents are Christians and they're both modeling the behavior of the husband and wife that the scriptures teach. Now, he says concerning one who is a Christian and one is not, that God has called us to peace. But in, in this section, though, notice in verse 15. I've got to deal with this part. He says, if, if the unbelieving depart, let them depart. A brother or sister is not under bondage in such cases. What bondage is he talking about? Well, I don't think he's talking about the marriage bond. Okay. Besides, that's a different word used there than the word used in Romans 7 referred to the wife is bound to the husband as long as the husband lives. Different word. Different word that he used later in this chapter when he makes the same point that he does in Romans 7. But the bondage that he's talking about, he's not saying that if your, wife, if your spouse is not a Christian that you're not bound by God. That's not his point. 
His point is you're not enslaved. That, that's what the uh, ESV says, not enslaved. Not, not under bondage or enslaved to what? Well, to, to meet the obligations that he's already referred to in the first part of the chapter about fulfilling each other, being what you ought to be in that marriage. So, in other words, if a Christian is trying their best and the non-Christian spouse is going to leave, well, then the Christian now has, again, two choices. Remain unmarried or be reconciled to the spouse. That's still the case. That has not changed. And the other part is the, the Christian should not be held guilty if they've done all they can do. If they're doing all they can in that relationship, they should not be held guilty if the unbeliever departs. Uh, so, now he gives some examples of this. And he talks about, okay, remain in whatever state you're called in. So we've got to unpackage that a little bit. And he gives some examples. If you're circumcised, don't seek to be uncircumcised. I don't know how you do that. But if you're uncircumcised, don't seek to be circumcised. But don't try to switch. Okay, if you're a slave, don't seek to be free. If you're free, don't seek to be enslaved. Now, if you're enslaved and you can be free, it's okay to be free. If that opportunity is available. But in other words, this point is you don't have to be a slave to be a Christian. You don't have to be free to be a Christian. You don't have to be circumcised to be a Christian. You don't have to be uncircumcised to be a Christian. All of those things are not sinful. So you've got to get that point right that the examples that he's using are non-sinful situations. So when he says, remain in whatever state you're called in, he's not saying that if you're in a sinful relationship that you can stay in that relationship. Else, let's apply that and see how that works. If two are in a homosexual relationship, remain in whatever state you're called in, no, that's not his point. If you're in an adulterous relationship, can you remain in the adulterous marriage? No, that's not under consideration. That's not what he's talking about. A thief, remain in whatever state you're called in. If you're a thief, whenever you're called, remain in whatever state you're called in. Who would apply that? Nobody would make that argument. So don't be ridiculous. He's not saying that you can remain in a sinful situation. Liar, you remain in, you know, on and on we could go. No, he that stole, steal no more. That's the point that Paul makes in Ephesians 4.28. So wouldn't the same thing be true with a, a sinful relationship? Such as those in chapter 6 who were adulterers, fornicators, homosexuals, but they were washed. How were they washed? They repented and they were baptized. Now, being baptized doesn't mean that they could stay a homosexual or stay an adulterer or stay committing fornication. It doesn't make those sins suddenly non-sinful. It washes the past sins away. It doesn't allow you to continue to commit them. You have to cease the activity. So the 
baptism doesn't wash away an unscriptural marriage. That is not Paul's point in this section. What he is saying is, if you're a Christian, okay, and your spouse is not a Christian, or if you are, okay, you're in that marriage that is scriptural, don't seek to be loosed. That's his point. Okay. Or if you're single, you could apply it that way. Because it's not sinful to be single. It's not sinful to be married scripturally. But you remember the woman caught in adultery in John eight eleven. What did Jesus tell her? Did he say, remain in whatever state you're called in and you can continue to commit adultery? No. What he said was, go and sin no more. So baptism washes away the sins that are repented of. You can be forgiven. But it doesn't wash away sins that you're continuing to commit. In Matthew 14, whenever John the Baptist told Herod, it is unlawful for you to have your brother Philip's wife. Was he saying... Well, all you got to do is get baptized and you can continue to have your brother's wife. No, it's not what he was saying. He was saying it's unlawful for you to have her, which means you can't have her. In order for him to be forgiven, yes, he could have been forgiven. If he would have repented, stopped being married to his brother's wife, and then he was baptized, well, he could have been forgiven of that. But he can't continue to be married to her. So I hope you get the point that he's not saying it's okay to continue in an unscriptural marriage just because you've been baptized. But he is saying it's okay to continue to be married to somebody who's not a Christian if the marriage is still scriptural. And it's okay to still be single. If you're a widow, it's okay to stay a widow. But you can also remarry in that case. Now, so when he says, brethren, let every man wherein he is called therein abide with God, that's what he's talking about. I hope that makes it clear to you what he is saying, what he's not saying. If you have any other questions about that, I do invite you to uh, ask me about that. We'll pick up there next time, Lord willing. Um, Appreciate your attention. If you're not a Christian, why don't you become one? Why not believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God? Repent and be baptized. And all your past sins will be forgiven. And then stay faithful. If, if, if you're doing something wrong, whether it's in a wrong relationship or whether it is any other sin, you need to repent of that. And it can be washed away and forgiven and you can be sanctified. If you're, one of, if you're a child in, in a situation where your parents aren't living right you can choose to live right if your parents aren't we've got examples of that as well but if you're a parent with children still at home please take every opportunity and and be that example both spouses can help each other lift each other up when the other's down and be a strength and encouragement whatever way that we can help you whatever your needs are if you need prayers or if you need to repent You can come up to the front while we stand and as we sing.